0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 5, it, uh, my uh, oldest son, which shall remain unnamed, uh, reminded me the other day that uh, sometimes uh, as an engineer I don't uh, complete a thought and I don't uh, give the full meaning of it sometimes. And uh, he, he told me the other day, he said, uh, he said, Dad, why do you why do you talk so much about Jesus dying what, what good's that what good's that for us? you know what good's that for us and I, so I explained to him, you know how he did it for us and how you should appreciate somebody that does something for you that had done something wrong for them and and so as I thought about that, I thought well i I probably don't make that very clear and then it dawned on me while I was doing some studying that the the whole thing of Isaiah 53 that we just went through I kept saying uh I hope the the word is made sharp I hope it's made a reality to you and I didn't I didn't follow that through and and tell you why so I thought I would uh go to 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verse number 5 and talk about why we need that uh that the word to to be reality and how it needs to be sharp to us so 1st Thessalonians chapter 1 verse number 5 <clears throat> Paul speaking here to the Thessalonians says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Amen. So when I when I when I say that we need the word to become sharp to you, I, I get that from Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 12 where it says for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart so the word of God is, is, is it can be sharp but uh, too many times today uh, it, it's just a, it's a dead book to us it's just uh, it's just ink on paper there will be uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of maybe people today that will uh, pick up their bible and they'll go to church and when the the preacher comes and and gives the reference and the text they'll stand and they'll read the bible but it won't do anything for them it'll be a it'll just be a uh, just words it won't mean anything to them because the word to them is not made alive it's not made uh, made sharp to them so um This book of 1 Thessalonians here was actually the first, uh, probably the first epistle that that Paul wrote from Rome. And he wrote it in AD 52 to AD 54, somewhere around there. And for the most part, Paul in this book was talking to the Thessalonians about about the second coming of Christ. Uh, But he spends a lot of the first chapter talking about uh, the the Thessalonians and their their salvation and and he commends them for their faith and he actually in verse number nine there he he talks about in the last part he says how ye turned to God from idols to serve the true and the the living and the true God so it talks about their repentance and then verse number six he says how ye became followers of us and of the Lord verse number three he says. Uh, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our father then in verse number four he says knowing brethren beloved your election of God so he talks about how they were how they were saved in the salvation but then number verse number five here is where we want to focus he speaks of uh, of he says, for our gospel came not unto you in a word only. Our gospel. So Paul he he says our gospel because it's the same gospel that the Thessalonians had, the the people of Thessalonica. It's the same the same uh, the same gospel that they received. First uh, Corinthians fifteen, verse number one through four talks about this gospel. It says, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. "...which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, but which also you are saved, if you kept in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures." and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures so that was the gospel that that paul received it's the same gospel that he preached to those in thessalonica so he was paul was uh he, he was adamant about the gospel he was adamant that it would be uh correctly conveyed to the people as in galatians 1 verse number 8 and 9 he says this he said But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul's actually saying if anybody comes and they, they tell you anything different and preach any other gospel, just let them be accursed. That word means just let them just go on to hell. Let them be, let them be just wiped off the scene and, and cut down on the confusion. Just let them go on to hell is basically what he's saying. So we want to look here in First Thessalonians 1, 5 at, at the gospel, but we want to look at four things uh, on how the gospel came. How the gospel came. First of all, it it came through a proclaimed word. Now he said here, it says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only. And that says not in word only. That, that basically means that it did come in word, uh, but the proclaimed word is necessary. Uh, Acts 17, verse number uh, 1 through 5. Actually, it's when Paul uh, actually was at Thessal- Thessalonica. He says... Now when they had passed through and and, and and Apollonia they came to Thessalonica, there was a synagogue of the Jews, and Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them, were reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. So Paul basically is saying here is that the, that's the one that I preached unto you, the one, that, was, uh, the one that, that died and the one that suffered and the one that rose again from the dead. Now it says he was opening and alleging. Now that word alleging basically means uh, in the Greek it means to set forth. It means to explain the meaning of it. So Paul he's opening the scriptures And he's alleging He's he's preaching to them the scriptures It's a a proclaimed word And that's what it says there In in 1 Thessalonians 1 5 It says the word it came not in word only But it has to come in in word First of all it has to come in word Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 verse number 6 says Who also hath made us able ministers Of the New Testament "...not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life." So it has to be of, of the Word, but it also, as we're going to see, it has to be other things other than the Word, but but it has to be a proclaimed Word. It has to be preached to you. John five thirty nine and 40 says, "...search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me." And you will not come to me that ye might have life. He's talking about the scriptures. He says, search the scriptures, the word. Uh, that, uh, uh, it says, uh, Paul, there in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, it doesn't say uh, not by word. It, it says not by word only. So the, so the word is necessary. In fact, he, he, he told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he said, preach the word. Preach it, preach the word, and it's a uh, that word is uh, is truth. It's a uh, uh, it's not only word though that has to be heard and understood. It's it's and it's not just of of mental assent. Uh, it's more than just a, a name it and claim it. Uh, a lot of a lot of people today, it's uh, it's really uh, frustrating if you if you if you listen to a lot of sermons and I and I I listen to a lot and I'll be listening to one and I'll think, man, this guy here he. He's preaching it right, and he's he he's saying all the right things, and then it gets right down to the end, and he says, "Come on down and accept Jesus right now." And it's a it's a form of of name it and claim it. It's not um, you've got some people that talk about uh, a worldly wealth, and they say just just claim it, and it'll come to you. And that's one ditch, and then you've got another ditch where. Where they say that you have to have repentance and faith, which is true, but then you have to have a work of the Holy Spirit and but then at the end of the sermon they'll they'll just say, Well just come on down right now. You you can you can get it settled right now. So that's another ditch. So uh just just stay in the middle of the road. Just uh uh follow what the Bible says. So there's a uh it's a it's a proclaimed word. It says not in word only that then it also has to be a powerful word. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, also in power. Now, Romans 1, 16, Paul there says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's that same gospel that he says, Our gospel came. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now that word power, uh, the Greek is uh, dunamis and that's where we get our word dynamite. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's it's powerful, but also if that, that word Greek, in the Greek that word power means uh, it's a miraculous power. It's a, a power that we don't know where it comes from. It's a, it's a, it's a wonder. It's a, it's a power that uh, is not by man. It's not something that we can work up, but it's a, a miraculous power of God. It's that powerful word that we need, uh, the dunamis, the power of God. Psalms 110, verse number 3, it says, Thy people shall be willing to... In the day of thy power, that miraculous that miraculous power. First Corinthians four twenty says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Power, that powerful word that we need. Now why you may ask the question, why does it have to come in power? Well it has to has to come in power because whether you know it or not, our hearts are hard. Our hearts are as hard as stone. The hardest limestone, you can... I don't know if there's anything, Marty, more, more hard than limestone, but harder than limestone is our heart. And it takes the power of God to break up that and make it good ground for the seed to come in. It's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's hard, hard. Um, here's a, a, a quote on the power of God that... Uh, I think it was Spurgeon, but it might not have been. But anyway, it's a good quote. It's on this power. It says, This power... Why it's needed. It's needed to awaken you to your present fallen, sinful, and depraved condition and reveal to you your need of the Savior who alone can save you from your depravity, your misery, and your weakness, bringing you to the footstool of mercy. That's what that power is. It's got to be power to to break your heart of stone, my heart of stone, to break it up, to make it to be good ground where the seed can take root. It's a a power, powerful word. It's a proclaimed word. It's a powerful word. But then also it has to be a personal word. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power only. And in the Holy Ghost. has to be a personal word. So, 1 first, first Corinthians uh, 2, verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. This is uh, Paul again speaking to the, the Corinthians. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdoms, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Right. He said, I, he said I, I, I didn't give you a bunch of flowery words. I didn't try to play games with you. He said, I just preached the word but he said it came in demonstration of the Spirit and in power. So you have to have a, the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, has to, it has to bring that Word to you. Now, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, when it comes, it brings that, uh, that reproval, uh, that, uh, uh, the factual part, and then you've got the emotional part, which, of course, is godly sorrow. But uh, in John 16, verses 7 through 11, Brother Pascal's preached that Many, many times, Uh, uh, we'll go ahead and read it, but uh, it says, John 16, verses 7 through 11, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, and he did, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because i go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged right. so it's a it's a reproval work of of the holy holy ghost the holy spirit uh that reproval work it's uh it, it convicts and it convinces you uh, sharply and sternly if need be uh, uh, with authority by argument because we, we argue with God. we got to have that powerful word to break it up. We're, we're rebellious. We, we will argue with anything. I will. I'll argue with a door if I have to, but with, with authority by argument using the evidence at hand, using evidence, our own evidence against us and proving us guilty before God. That's the reproval work of the Holy Ghost, and it's, it's a personal work. It's a personal word. It's not a, something that generally is, does everybody at the same time. It has to be personalized to you. Right. Same thing with that godly sorrow. Uh, the godly sorrow, which I said is the emotional part. Uh, verse number uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 7, verse number 10 through 11 it says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold this self same thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sword, and this is what the godly sorrow consists of, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation yea what fear yea what vehement desire yea what zeal yea what revenge in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter right. the go- godly sorrow and it it has to be a uh, uh, personal it's a it's a the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit has to do that and it's a it's what they call an effectual calling it's not a, a general call is is me uh uh just saying, hey, come here, that's, that's, that's everybody, that's a, that's a general call. Uh, but if I say, "Tray, come here, that's an effectual call to Trey. But that's what the Holy Spirit does. He works in, in hearts and lives, and it has to be a proclaimed word. It has to be a, a powerful word, but it has to be in the Spirit. It has to be demonstrated in the Holy Spirit. It has to be a personal word to you. It also has to be a promising word. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. Much assurance. It's a promising word. That that, that phrase, much assurance, of course, much in the Greek, this might surprise you, but it means much. But that word assurance means much confidence. So if you put that phrase, much assurance, it basically means much, much assurance. It's a double emphasis. It means uh, much. It means 100%, not one doubt, entirely convinced, entirely assured, no doubting, none none, none whatsoever. Hebrews 6, verse number 11 says, and we desire that every one of you doth show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Until the end. He said there's, there's full assurance. There's, there's a much, much assurance, much, much confidence. Uh, see, Paul here, he had, he had full confidence. He had full assurance. Why? Because God had done it in him. Right. He had no doubt. If you read the story about Paul... Saul, as it was, he 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 was a, he was a bad bad man. He 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 had a lot of uh, Christians killed. He had them hauled to prison. He he destroyed families. But but he did it all ignorantly. He thought he was doing right. But he one day on the uh, the road to the to, to Damascus, he he saw that light, and then he went to a street called Straight, where he met Ananias, and and he and he, and he was saved. And from that moment forward. He was a changed man. Even Ananias, when he went to him, didn't want to go to him because he had heard of Paul. He had heard of what he could do. But he was assured that you go to him. He's a, he's a, he's a servant that we're gonna, I'm going to use. Uh, so Ananias went to him. And, and it, from that moment forward, Paul was a changed man. So he said, I have, I have, I have uh, much assurance. I have much, much assurance. I have confidence, full confidence. I have no doubt that he can do it because he's done it in me. And there's no doubts, no, none at all. So we see that it was a, uh, the word of the, our gospel came. How did it come? It has to come by word, yes, but not word only. It has to come in power. And then it has to come by the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. It has to be a personal word. Then it has to be a promising word. It has to be, you have to have confidence that, that God's going to be able to do it. You're not just going to jump out on a limb not knowing if he's going to do it or not. He's going he's gonna to convince you that, I, that I'm going to do it. I, you have no doubt. You're going to have full confidence, full assurance that it'll be a done work. But then lastly, we see that it's a productive word. It's a productive word. He says at the very end there, he says, As ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake, for your sake, it was a productive word because it produces a change. It produces a change. This word does. If someone is truly saved, they'll be different. They'll be different. They won't do the things of their past. They're going to they're gonna act different. They're gonna, whether they're in church or whether they're uh, out in the, in the world, they're going to they're gonna be different. Somebody's going to be able to look at them and say, you're, you're a different person. And it's because the word is, produces it's, uh, we're not saved by works But if you're saved you will work That's There's right. going to be a change nice. And it's, uh, it's going to be something that everybody can see There, there won't ever be a time where, where you'll be walking out And they'll say well I don't know which one is uh, Which one's a lost man and which one's The saved man because they both dress the same They both talk the same there, They won't be that way be, There will be a difference it's a, it's a productive word It produces, uh, produces action It produces work and it says also if uh, it's a productive word because I, I believe these these uh, Thessalonians here I, I believe they were found following God. I believe they were found following God. It was a it was a productive word. It produced results. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to they wanted to follow Paul. They wanted to follow Christ because of the change that had been made in their heart in life. Right. And so it was a it's a it was a productive word. So. We see first of all that it was a, a a proclaimed word our gospel came it was a it was preached it was heralded it was a he Paul opened the book and he alleged it to him he he set forth he, he explained the meaning so it was a proclaimed word but it was not word only it also came with power that dunamis that dynamite of God because our hearts are hard and stone and we just we, we, we can't receive it on our own. We can't understand because our hearts are so hard. So it's a powerful word. Then we see that it was a personal word. It came in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that reproval work, that godly sorrow, all has to be done. And it's brought on by the Holy Ghost. Then we see that it was a promising word, much assurance, much, much, much a double emphasis he said, he had, I had no doubt that God will do it because he's done it in me. And I know what he can do for me, so I know he can do it for others. And then it was a productive word. After, after they were saved, there was a change that everybody could see. They were different. They were different. So as we as we look at 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, uh, when I... When I make mention that the word needs to be sharp and that it needs to be a, a reality to us that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about here is that, that it, it needs to be the word yes but it needs to come with, with power and it needs to come with the, the Holy Ghost making it sharp and, and really driving it home something that, that we can't do we, we can just tell you about it but it takes the Holy Ghost to reveal yourself to you and show you who you really are before God and then revealing the righteousness of God, revealing Himself to you, in 2022 as we as we start a new year, uh, huh? Don't add two in 22. Brother Gary's smiling like a possum back there, but in 2022 it says, um, "May it not just be a proclaimed word." We 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 need the proclaimed word. We need the as as Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Yeah, we we, we need that. We need the proclaimed word. But we need the powerful word. We need the personal word. We need a promising word to let us know that when he does it, it's going to be done. It's going to be done. And then when all that's done, it'll be a productive word. There will be a change. There will be something different. People will be able to say they're different. Something's happened in their life. They're not the same person they used to be. And it won't just be in church. It'll be through the week when you're not at church people will say there's something different about that person because it'll be a productive work so when i'm when i say that isaac you'll know now when i say that, that that's what that means is that sharp make it may it be sharp may it may, may it come in power may the holy ghost just uh, you know, we, we can sit up here and we can, we can give you facts and we can, we can right. tell you about the Bible, but as I said, there'll be thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of people today that'll pick up the Bible and, and they'll read it, but it'll just be a ink on paper. Word. It'll just be words that won't make a change, won't That's make right. a difference. Right. But we need the powerful word, we need the personal word, we need the promising word. And then it'll be a productive word. It'll make a change in us. So may the Lord do that in 2022. Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for the new year, Lord. It's a You've allowed us to live another another uh, year, another, another week. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for, Lord, our, our church. I don't take it lightly to be able to come in and worship you in warmth and and Lord, it's it's a whole lot feels better in here than it does out there. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to take advantage of it, take full advantage of it, Lord, and and strive and seek and worship you. And Lord, just be with us now as we go through the remainder of the service and the next hour. Lord, help me as I as I preach, as I teach. And Lord, just uh, may uh, may you get honor and glory out of everything that's said and done. And we'll ask all these in your name. Amen. Amen. Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, got a verse here that we'll use maybe for a jumping off point for a couple of weeks, Lord willing, 1 Corinthians 1, we'll just, uh, we'll read uh, one verse, but we'll deal with several, but 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 18, it says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now this, uh, of course, this is uh, Paul writing here to the the church at Corinth, and uh, that the church at Corinth had uh, had lots of problems. It uh, uh, they they had lots of issues in the church and. And one thing I, I, I appreciated when I was reading through uh, First Corinthians is, is it makes you thankful for our, our church. When you look at all of the problems that they had, and I, I realize that that we're not perfect. But when you look at all the problems that that Corinth had, I just said, praise the Lord! I'm, I'm happy to happy to be where I'm at. So, uh, but uh, the the church at Corinth. Uh, Paul first came to Corinth on his second missionary journey, and you can find that in Acts uh, 18, I believe it is, where he uh, he comes to Corinth and he uh, he stayed and ministered in Corinth for a year and a half. So for for 18 months he stayed and uh, he uh, he met up with converts such as Aquila and Priscilla and and he had a, a tight kinship with them because they were of the same occupation. They were tent makers as well, so they, got, they hit it off good. And then there's um, uh, Crispus and Gaius. They were converts there, and we'll read about them here in a minute. But, but the church at Corinth, they, like I said, they had many, many problems. They, first of all, they, they, they wanted God, but they tried to hold on to their worldly ways. They tried to hold on to the worldly ways, and in uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse number 9 and 10, Paul says, I write unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. So it seems as though as the people at Corinth, they were having problems with uh uh, they were uh, they they were making friends they were they were uh, uh their their company was is to stay with uh, people that were fornicators extortioners idolaters and paul said you 've got to shun all that you 've got to get rid of all that uh uh it's 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 taking you down and they had problems especially when it came to uh morality they paul Paul hits on their morality, and uh, he hits on their the, the marriage. They had problems with marriage, and they had several different issues there. Uh, so there was a church with problems. But along with these, uh, not they're wanting to hold on to Christ, and they're wanting ha- to hold on to the worldly ways. But also, they were they were not a united people. They uh, it says in uh, in First Corinthians uh, one uh, verse number eleven through uh, seventeen, it says. For it had been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the household of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? (coughs) I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. So they they were not a united people. They had some people that that wanted to follow Apollos and some that wanted to follow Paul, some that wanted to follow Cephas, Peter, and so they they were not uh, they were not divided. Uh, but but Paul said uh, he said I, I didn't baptize any of you save uh, Gaius and Crispus and it just, I thought of that when I was reading that, and I thought, well, if... Uh if, bapti- if baptism is is essential for salvation, like some people uh, preach today, then then I believe Paul would have been there baptizing, and I I believe Jesus would have been baptizing. And it said he didn't baptize, so that just uh, a side note there. That uh, I think that goes against uh, uh, baptism being essential for salvation. But but anyway, it says that uh, they were not united, and and uh, the reason that they weren't united is that the Greeks in those days. They, they loved philosophy. They loved, that's what they did. They, they loved philosophy. Uh, much like today when we have people that love following a certain uh, colleges or sports teams or whatever, they had their favorite philosophers, people that they liked to listen to, the people that they could understand. And that word philosophy means uh, it, it means the love of words. They just liked to go and listen to certain people, the love of words. They loved, they loved philosophy, whether it was about nature or about knowledge or about uh, a reality or about existence. Uh, they were all about, uh, I guess, academia, would that be the word? Uh, uh, when I went to college, there was people that were a lot older than I was, and, and uh, you asked them what they did, and they, they would say they were just a professional student. They just, they took every class they could and they, year after year, they would just, they wouldn't try to graduate. They just, they wanted all the knowledge they could get, all the, the head knowledge. And that's what the, the Greeks here did. They wanted all the knowledge they can get. But Colossians 2, 8 says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Right. So he says, philosophy, don't, don't go after that, especially if it's not after Christ. And uh, uh, Paul spoke of this in Romans 125 when, he, uh, when he's talking about the, the Roman road to ruin here. In, in verse number 25, he says, "...who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator." And that's what the Greeks were doing. They had, uh, they had these philosophers that, that they worshipped those people because they just they fell on every word that come out of their mouth. They just, they, they loved those philosophers more than anything. But uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, uh, Paul says here, he says, "...for I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified." He said, you can, you can love the philosophers, you can love the words they say, but, but he says, I've determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ. He mm-hmm. said, just give me Jesus. You can have all that other stuff, but just give me, just give me Jesus. So that, that philosophy. And uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 17, uh, he said, uh, He said, for Christ sent not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect and then uh that word uh, foolishness there he said uh, uh in verse number 18 for the for the preaching of the cross of is it is to them that perish foolishness that foolishness and the, that's the same the greek uh, uh uh origin of that word is the same word as moron moronic uh so basically what paul was saying here he said for, for, for you all, what I'm preaching to you all, it, it doesn't match up with the philosophy that y'all are being told from the, the Socrates or whoever the big philosophers were of that day. He said, you think, you think I'm, I'm, I'm moronic. You, you, you just think it doesn't make sense. You think uh, what I'm saying is absurd. You think it's silly and that it's nonsense. And several times in this ch- first chapter, Paul uses that term foolish or foolishness he says in verse number 21, he says, For that, that in that wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Right. And it's not that the preaching is foolishness, but it's that Paul was using that. He says, you think what I'm saying is foolishness, but that's what God uses to bring, bring people to Christ. And he said the foolishness of preaching. Then in verse number 25, he says, Because the foolishness of God... Is wiser than men. And there again, God's not foolish, but in the Greek's eyes, what Paul was saying was absurd. It was silly. It was nonsense. So Paul said, Because the foolishness of God, what you think is foolish, is wiser, wiser than the men. Then in verse number 27, he says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world and it's not that like I said God doesn't choose foolish things but in the eyes of the Greeks and the those at Corinth it was foolish it was in their eyes it was silly it was absurd it was it was nonsense but but Paul says the the preaching of the Christ the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness it's foolishness so verse number 18 is kind of our text verse like I said and So we see the the, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So that brings up the question, what is the preaching of the cross? What is the preaching of the cross? What is it? Well, first of all, I'll tell you some things that it's not. The preaching of the cross is not... That cross is not something that you wear around your neck. It's not uh, something that uh, uh, you you dangle and, you know, whoever's got the biggest cross is the biggest Christian. You know, that, that... that 's not right you don't you don 't need to wear something on your neck you need to have something in your heart, right. but uh, it 's not something the cross isn 't something you hang around your neck uh, uh, The cross is uh not something that still has somebody there uh he 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 's not there anymore uh, if you go to uh and i can 't remember I think it was when elena was bo- when Elena was born uh, Brother Paschal came up there to the hospital of course he came with all of them, but he was up there with elena and uh, they, uh, when we got in the the room there was uh there at Leward's they had the, the on the wall they've got usually a cross and it's got uh Jesus on it and or you know it's got a figure on it and and uh he he left and the next day we got to look around and we couldn't find that thing anywhere. And uh so anyway he came back up there the next day or two and I said something to him about it and he said, Yeah, I took that off and I stuck it in the drawer over there. He took it off the wall, but but he's not there. He he's not on the cross anymore. He he and so he, he took it off. It's not he's not there. Uh, another thing is is the cross. Uh, what it isn't it, it it's not pieces that you buy on the internet. Uh, you you see things that says oh buy buy a piece of the cross, you know, and and uh, I was kind of disappointed because last two years ago we went up there to see uh, uh, the the ark in, uh, uh, what's it called, the ark expedition or whatever it is. But anyway, it's, it's, real, it's, it's, it's eye-opening if you go. But I was kind of disappointed because I thought for sure they would have somebody there selling pieces of the ark. And they didn't. And, uh, but anyway, uh, people are always trying to make money off of something. And uh, so the cross isn't something you wear around your neck. Uh, it's something you need in your heart. Uh, it's not something that has a, a, somebody on it. He, he, he's gone. He, he's up in heaven making intercession for you right now. And then the cross isn't something that you buy uh, on the Internet. It's not something like that. But the preaching of the cross refers to the great work that was done there, the substitutionary work, the work that the human mind can't fathom, can't under, uh, understand, can't explain. And it's a work that destroys all philosophies, all the philosophies of the Greeks and the Corinthians that day. It destroyed it all. That's the cross, the cross. Where sin was punished and where salvation was purchased, the cross. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, foolishness. Now, in this verse, Paul only mentions two types of people. He, he, he says uh, the preaching of the cross is either a to them that perish foolishness or but unto those which are saved it's the power of God so there's only two classes there there's there's no middle ground there's uh there's no uh, there's no seeker in here uh I hope you hope you realize that it's it's good to be a seeker it's good to want God it's good to strive and seek after him but but that still leaves us in that category that says, to them that perish, the lost, right. it's foolishness. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we shouldn't uh, raise our nose at somebody who's, who's not doing what we're doing because we're technically, we're all still in the same camp. We're still all there. But, but uh, there's those that perish, which are the lost. And then he says, uh, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God so he talks about the saved there those that have been those that have come from death into life the saved there now the good news is is that if you're in those that perish foolishness you don't have to stay there you 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 can uh, through the work of god you strive you stay with it you step in light you do all you know and 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 and, and let god lead and you'll transform there from the them that perish to those that uh, unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Right. So don't uh, don't give up. Don't uh, don't don't throw in the towel. First Corinthians six nine through eleven says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate." Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Then the next verse says, and such were some of you. Uh So that's good news. Some of them, some of them ain't there anymore. But then it also means that some of them are still there. So there again, you've got those two classes. You've got some that aren't this way anymore, but then you've got some that are still there. So Paul has two, two, uh, two classes there, those that perish and then those which are saved. That's right. So the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the cross. It, 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 when, I, when, I, when I think about the preaching of the cross, I, I think about uh, eight things. And don't stroke out on me, Miss Carroll, because I probably won't get done with one, maybe two today. But the preaching of the cross, when I think of the preaching of the cross, I think of eight things. And I'll go ahead and give you all eight of them And then we'll go back and we'll we'll Look at them but The preaching of the cross When I think of that I think of the person of the cross I think of The place of the cross I think of the Passion of the cross I think of the pain Of the cross I think of the punishment Of the cross I think of the Please, or the cryings from the cross. I think about the pardon that's received at the cross and then I see the power of the cross. Those are the eight things that I, I think about when I, when I see Paul here talking about the preaching of the cross. I think about those eight things. So uh, we're going to look at those eight things, Lord willing, over the next couple of weeks. But when I think of the preaching of the cross and those the person, the place, the passion, the pain, the punishment, the pleas or the crimes, the pardon, the, the power. No wonder Paul could say in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Basically, what he was saying was, as he says, by whom the world is crucified unto me. Basically, he says, the world is crucified unto me, and I'm free. I'm free from the bondage and the, the, the drawdown and the drag of this world. He said, I'm, I'm free from it. Now, I've still got to deal with it, but he said, I, I'm free. I'm, I'm free from it. I'm crucified by the world is crucified unto me. And then he said, I unto the world... I into the world means is that I, I'm not as interested in the world as what I used to be. Right. He said, I, I'm free, and and I'm not interested in the things of the world. I'm not interested in this philosophy that the Greeks and the, the Corinthians were talking about. He says, you can have all that, but again, in in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, he said, i determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. Right. You can have all that philosophy. I'm crucified unto the world and the world unto me. Y'all have the philosophy. Just give me Jesus. It's basically what he's saying. So, the preaching of the cross. When I, when I think of the preaching of the cross, I, I think of, first of all, the person of the cro- uh, cross. The person of the cross. Jesus Christ. Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Amen. Jesus. Jesus, the only one that could, could have satisfied both the law's demands and appease a holy God. That's right. The only one. You know, there's not another. There's not another man that could have done that. He is the one that the, the prophets foretold about. They look right. forward to him. As we said a couple of weeks ago when... There in that day when, when women had had babies, they were hoping that it was the Messiah. They said, oh, we're, we're, we're excited. We're, ex, we're expecting it. We're looking for it. Surely, hopefully this one is, is the Messiah. The prophets foretold about it. They knew he was coming. John 1, there after the temptation when uh, Jesus was coming across there, John the, the Baptist looked at him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Right. Now he hadn't done it yet, but John said, "There he is. He's the one that's going to take away the sin of the sins of the world." Right. Of course, the Lamb of God that that refers to the, the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And when he said that, the people that were around him, no doubt, when he said Lamb of God, they, they their mind went back to the Old Testament economy when, when you had to the, to give to bring sacrifices for your sins every year. Uh, Luke or Leviticus. One talks about that Leviticus 1 verses 3 and and 4 there it says it says if if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd let him offer a male without blemish he shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord and he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him, to make him at one again. He had to, he had to find a, a, a lamb with, without a male, without blemish, and out of his voluntary free will, that man had to put his hand on that head and identify with it and say, This is the innocent, the lamb that done nothing wrong. He's dying for all my sins. Right. And voluntarily, he had to do that. And uh, so no doubt whenever he come across there and, and John said, Behold the Lamb of God. You know that had to ring some, ring. the, the bell had to be going off in some of them people's heads. that Hey, that's, that's him. That's the one we've been looking for. That's, a, that's, that's the one that, that we've been looking for. So the Lamb had to be without blemish. Had to be offered of his own voluntary will. And it had to be totally consumed. When they when they when they burnt that thing, it, it goes on there and it says you take the the, the the kidneys and you take the flesh and you I mean there wasn't anything left you had to t- you had to burn it all it was a it was a total it's an oblation they had nothing left. When right. Jesus went to the cross, he gave it all, everything, every drop of blood. It, he it totally exhausted himself when he done that. I read one one Puritan that that's I don't remember his name now, but. Uh, one Puritan said that in the Old Testament time, he said uh, the, the fire uh, burnt the sacrifice. But he said when Jesus went to the cross, the sacrifice put the fire out. And he did that. He did that for us, for me, for you. He went there. He took it all. He, he bore it all for you. Right. Right. Matthew one twenty one, again talking about that, that Lamb of God, the person of the cross, Jesus Christ... He says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. When he was getting ready to, when he was coming into the world, uh, when he was being robed in flesh, being born of a virgin, they say, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. That's calling Jesus because that's why he's coming. He's coming to save his people from their sins. So then we see... Also, in the person of Christ, he was, the, he was the Old Testament sacrifice, but like I said, he had, to be, uh, he had to come because he had to identify with us. He had to be like us. He had to be in the likeness, likeness of man. In, in uh, Philippians 2, verses uh, 7 through 8, it says, "...but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant." And was made in the likeness of men. And being found fa- in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The person of Christ, I mean the person of the cross, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Galatians 4.4 says, But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, he gave him, made of a woman, put on flesh, robed in flesh, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Amen. When the fullness of time was come, you say, I don't know why it's taking so long, why I'm not saved yet. It may be because the fullness of time has not come. That's right. But when, Jesus, when the fullness of time was come, Show he showed up. God That's sent right. his son right on time. Amen. In uh, Hebrews 10... Verse number uh, 4 through 12, talking about again the the person of the cross, Jesus Christ, says in Hebrews 10, verse number 4 through 12, it says, For it is is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burn offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burn offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oft times the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, set down on the right hand of God, the person of the cross, Jesus Christ, he uh, he was made an offering it says there once he went in once made an offering he offered himself for sin we've we've looked at it in Isaiah 53 in verse number 10 when it says thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin and then in verse number 12 of Isaiah 53 it says he hath poured out his soul unto death he poured it out he did he didn't leave none in there I, like i said i I believe he 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 give every drop of blood. He give it all. Totally consumed like that old Testament sacrifice was a was an oblation, a, a total total sacrifice. Well my time is come and gone, but well, like I said, the the when I look at the preaching of the cross, I see those those eight things. I see the the person of the cross and the place of the cross, the passion of the cross, the pain of the cross, the punishment of the cross the pleas from the cross, his, his sayings, his cryings from the cross, and the pardon that can be received at the cross, and then the power of the cross. Right. No wonder Paul in Galatians 6 said, God forbid that I should glory in anything save the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The cross. Again, in, uh, in he said, for, I, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God, the preaching of the cross. Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for, Lord, the way you provide for us in our our church building, the way we can come in the dry and and worship and honor and glorify you. And, And I just thank you for that. And I pray that you'll just go with us throughout the remainder of the service and lead, guide, and direct. And, Lord, may you get honor and glory out of everything that's said and out of everything that's sung. And we'll give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.